Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Tara Mackey is the best-selling author of Cured by Nature. She is a soul singer and a global motivational speaker, and I can say a powerful voice in the world of sustainable living, which we totally need, especially right now. She is such an incredible leader. She's also a certified lab analyst and an environmental technician, which means she is super smart. And in 2012, she started the Organic Life blog where she continues to share her natural living advice with readers in addition to blogging. She's also an agency model and an actress, and she's a regular contributor to Mind Body Green, Happiness and Wellbeing, Pop Sugar Fitness, Lucky, and True Luxury Life. She is literally a soul sister, and I cannot wait for you to listen to this podcast and to read her book. She truly has an inspirational story about how she was able to reclaim her life after being on medication and living with addiction in her family and loss and overcoming adversity. She really has gone through the gamut and really details all of those events in her life in her book. And she shares a little bit of her insight and her expertise as well as how she feels about social media these days and how Uh, She's using all of her gifts to expand this message out into the world. I cannot wait for you to listen to this podcast. Let us know what you thought. Please send us a message on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you're listening to this or wherever you're listening to this. Please share with your friends or someone who you think would benefit from listening to this podcast. Thanks for listening. I want to tell everyone how amazing Cured by Nature is, and I really, really think that it should be kind of a staple book for everyone to have in their household, not just sit on the shelf. And I want to talk to you about it, and I want you to tell our listeners um, about your journey to writing this book, and hopefully we can get to all the different parts and the topics of the book that, that you covered so eloquently Um, The book is about how to heal from the inside out, finding happiness and discover your true self. And I think that you did such an incredible job at really getting to that. Uh, There's so many cool things that you, you write and, you know, questions you ask and even affirmations and there's some meditation in there, creating ritual and there's just so, (laughs) so much stuff in there. So, um, for the people, for the people that aren't familiar with your writing or, or your, um, expertise, can you just please tell us a little bit about yourself? Totally. Um, so my background is actually in science. I, I majored in genetics in college um, and I worked at Will Cornell um, and a few environmental labs before kind of striking out and 
um, getting to the point where I was writing this book. But um, my background is unusual, but uh, the more that I do this, the more I realize it's actually very like the backgrounds of many of the kinds of people who end up reading Cured by Nature. Um, so I was born to two drug addicts and alcoholics, um, my biological parents, and my uh, my mom raised me as a single mother for six years. She succumbed to a heroin addiction and overdosed in front of me when I was six. She survived, but my grandparents ended up getting custody of me um, and raising me from there on out. And my relationship with my mother was, was kind of tumultuous. So um, she relapsed again when I was 12. And when I was um, just turning 13, I got put on my first mood stabilizer, which was um, an adult dosage of lithium. So by the time I was in high school, I was on like three drugs. Um, by the time I was in college, I was on like eight pharmaceutical medications. Um, you know, the diagnosis ranged from everything from depression to anxiety to um, muscle spasms and, and painkillers and fibromyalgia and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... At 24, I was on 14 different pharmaceutical medications. Um, at that point, I actually lost my best friend to suicide, and um, I was at a point where I was, you know, going to take my own life. And instead, I decided to um, kind of do what I considered the impossible and something that nobody had ever told me to do, which was come off of 14 pharmaceutical drugs, cold turkey, Um something I laugh because I'm alive but I don't do that I don't recommend anybody do it because it was a horrendous a horrendous experience and I just wish I had done it any other way because the way I did it was was not fun and uh, I was sick for three years and um, I started my blog the organic life blog.com I'd been blogging on other platforms um, since I was like 14 but this was kind of my blog about my health journey, and so I started writing about it. And um, a few years ago, my publishing company came to me and um, through my blog and asked if I'd ever thought about sharing my health journey in a book. So that book is Cured by Nature. So it's my personal story. It's my health journey. It's things I've learned along the way. It's, you know, there's cancer-fighting herbs. There's meditations. There's... Um, there's a whole chapter on why you want to meditate, but don't, um, excuses <laughs> that we give ourselves and how to come out of them. <laughs> so, uh, so it's not on meditation. It's on why you want to meditate and you don't. Right. No, which <laughs> so, I really appreciated um, because it's true. I mean, I, this yeah. is, I mean, my sort of wheelhouse and it, even I have hard times sometimes too. So I, I really loved yeah. that approach, you know, so thank you for that. Yeah. Of course. I was born in the Western world. I get it. Um, <laughs> so this book is that, you know, and it is fun and I try to keep it lighthearted and, and there's real, you know, shit, if I can say shit in there. Um, if I can't, please bleep it out twice. <laughs> there's a lot of real shit in there. And, but I, I really, you know, life for living and smiling and, and I'm, I'm not a positive thinking like person per se. Like I don't teach positive thinking, but I teach like, how to exist in, in the real world and to do it the best way you possibly can. So I know life is stressful. I know life is overwhelming. I've been there. Um, and, this, you know, Cured by Nature is the tools to, to get anybody through that. I'm sure we're all 
feeling in at this point is like life gets a little more stressful every day for everyone. So um, there's something in there for you. I'm, I'm so surprised at the kinds of people that, that it's helped and that it's it's really saved um, people I never would have connected with otherwise. So um, I, I implore everyone to at least just download it for free on Kindle. You'll get part of the first chapter and see if it's for you, you know. Yeah, I, I, for, for me, just having very similar background, very similar story to you, I, of course, related to it right away. And what I really love is, is also, you know, you're, you're a scientist, you know what I mean? So like, I felt, I definitely yeah. felt, yeah. right? <laughs> P.S. You guys didn't get that in the beginning. She's, she's a legit yeah. scientist. So, you know, to yeah. me, I really loved your your perspective and your point of view too, because it it very much felt like there's a lot of strategy behind how you were able to come out of what you came out of, you know, and and to be able to acquire all these tools and all this knowledge and to to put it in a way that's that's relatable and 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 it's so vulnerable. And some of the stories that you share, Tara, I was like, wow, like there was one, I think. Um, of relationship or you were in a bad relationship at some point in the beginning, um, where you, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like in the early chapters, the breakthrough chapter, chapter three, I believe it is. Um, yep. and I mean, there's just so much, one of the things that I wanted to, I mean, just to kind of scale it back because then I'm going to start to go all over the place, um, asking <laughs> you random questions, but I wanted to talk to you <laughs> initially is, is, uh, your idea and your take on, on belief, right? So in the beginning of the book, you really dive deep into, uh, the, the limiting beliefs that we have and the limiting beliefs that you had. And so how important is it for us to begin to identify what those limiting beliefs are? I mean, it's so important. I mean, I I think honestly, a, a huge, one of our limiting beliefs is, is the, the belief that we don't have the power to create our beliefs or to form our own beliefs, right? We all kind of feel powerless at some point that we're powerless to our circumstances or our brain chemicals or our environment or um, the people around us or our parents is a huge one for everybody. I think at least for a little while, you always feel like, you know, your parents definitely control your every move and, and breath. So we all have the capacity to create beliefs around any event that makes the event the event empowering or disempowering. Most of the time we kind of choose to make it disempowering instead of um, seeing it as something that can really shape us positively, like even tragedies like death, chronic mm-hmm. illness, abuse, day-to-day stress and work. Um, those are things that can really shape us positively if we look at them like that. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> creating beliefs is important because it has to become a lifestyle. You can't just do it once or twice and say, okay, my whole mindset has changed. That's not how it works. And that's why I do delve into the science in this book so much. And I do rely on so many studies to back up not only what's worked in my life, but I know what's worked in the life of other people because, um, you know, scientists have studied it. And it's just true. The more you create empowering beliefs, the more empowered you will feel and the more that will be reflected in your life. So I feel like really as far as changing your life or, or, um, finding a better life experience, day-to-day life experience, like changing your beliefs and creating empowering beliefs is absolutely everything. Mm. Yeah, I thank you for that. It's it's so true because it really can can keep us stuck into in in our story or whatever negative narrative that we've told ourselves about some situation. So I think that being able to identify that is 
is really important. How, when you, so you had been writing for a while already, and this is part of your, your wheelhouse that you've, you've been doing. What was it like to get all of this knowledge and all of these tools and put it all in this book? It was therapy. I mean, that's what I tell, you know, it, this book in itself was therapy for me, um, especially knowing how far I've come since the book even came out or since I finished writing it, you know, which was about a year before it came out. Um, it, it, it was immense therapy. And, and it really, I tell everybody that writing and not, not writing in your notes, not, not, um, not texting it to yourself, not emailing it to yourself, actually writing something down um, is one of the most therapeutic things we can do. It's a kinesthetic experience. You, um, It transforms you. It's creative thinking. We're in this tech thinking now mm-hmm. a lot, and it's not it's not creative. It's not critical. It's not problem-solving. It's A lot of it's very automatic, and I think that that writing and getting our feelings down or writing and getting our thoughts down in a real way, not in a way that goes up on Instagram, not in a way mm-hmm. that's, you know, meant to kind of like short-term show off is um, one of the most important things we can do and a very great way to connect with our body and with what's going on in our minds. And if, you know, a lot of people feel like they have like brain fog and stuff like that. I know I really, I felt that way for a long time until I started writing again. It's, it's, um, it does something to your brain that nothing else, does Mm -hmm. so it's I feel like it's just a huge gift that we should all be using every day do you think that people maybe think that they're doing it by using uh tools like typing or like social media or reposting a positive affirmation do you think that it's different or the result is different from reposting something to actually writing it down Yes, definitely. So one of my favorite authors actually is Richard Dawkins, and he was the originator of the word meme. Meme is actually a memory gene. Um, it's a term he came up with in his book, The Selfish Gene, that he wrote in the 1970s. And, um, and I think it's very powerful. So there are memory genes that you pass on by, by copying one thing and, you know, pasting it into the mind of another, um, as you say, but then there's another, um, there's another way to to leave a legacy and to tell our stories and to create memory genes, and that is to create things ourselves and then to pass them on to people around us. And I think it is, I think it's a little more valuable, even if you're just taking something someone else said and kind of riffing on it, um, than it is to just kind of keep posting these things over and over. Because, I mean, if you listen to like motivational speakers from the 50s, they use these quotes that we now use and see all the time on Tumblr, on Facebook or whatever. And they're very profound quotes, but sometimes they don't have the same meaning if you just see them over and over again and everyone's using the same thing. I think coming up with your own creative ideas and creative ways of expression is like, one of the most powerful things we have as human beings. Like it's what separate, separates us from like animals, you know? So yeah. the more we can do that, the more alive we're going to feel and the more human we're going to feel. So um, definitely do that as much as you can. The mm-hmm. fact that you can create something means you should. I think, you know, that's yeah, like no, you're, you're t- totally, <laughs> totally right. I think in, in one of the questions that I want to ask for you, because you were, I feel that you're very much a creative person. You know, you have this, a lot of that creative energy. And so how, how do you think people that aren't in touch with that sense of 
confidence of creating something like that on their own because they're like, somebody else has already done it. Why am I going to try? What, what would you tell that person? Yeah, I, I, I feel like we've all kind of been there, but that's a story we tell ourselves. You know, it's just another story we tell ourselves to not have to do something that might be uncomfortable for us. Like, just because someone else has done it before, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Just because, I mean, if I didn't write a book because 50 gazillion other books have been written before, <laughs> like, you know, I might not have changed somebody's life. So it's like, it's, uh, I think it's silly to just not do something just because it's been done before. Um, because you, everybody has your, you know, nobody's lived your life. You have your own unique story, no matter who you are, even if you're a twin, you know, you have completely different life experiences. So um, I think everybody should write a book. I think everyone's story is valuable. I think everybody should be finding what their creative voice is and then like finding the best outlet for it. And with, I don't, I mean, I don't hate tech. I just think people need to recognize that it's a, it's a separate brain than your creative brain. You create something and then you share it you know, on your, on your phone or on your blog or online or something. But the act of creating things, I, I think, still needs to be your own, like, private ritual, you know? And that was always everyone's favorite class anyway, right? It was, like, art class. <laughs> <laughs> you go and doodle and do whatever the heck you wanted for an hour. Like, how come we don't do that yeah. anymore? So um, that's what I try to do with my friends. I try to have, like, painting parties and we sit around and write and I'll like, you know, read on the couch with my fiance and stuff. And those are the moments that I feel like really are what I'm going to look back on when I'm like, you know, taking my last breath and are like real true moments or like the times where you're sitting around really creating with other people without like even a huge intention, you know, just because you want to paint on a Sunday night. Um, we're not doing enough of that anymore. So if you have friends you want to paint with, go do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we, we're losing so much of that that human connection with, you know, actual people and not just being connected via social media or, or via, you know, the, the internet or whatever, just to actually do something that's going to require you to be in the presence of another human, <laughs> another person, know. you know. Um, I think, you know, here, my question, you know, it's it's interesting that we're talking about this and, and I wanted to kind of get your take um, on, you know, it, there's this thing that I feel like is happening. It's it's creating this kind of like social awkwardness for people, mm-hmm. you know, when, when they meet on a medium like social media or even like a dating site or something, you know, where we're losing that, you know, you're going, you're at a bookstore, you meet somebody or you're at a restaurant or you're at a concert and you make new friends. Like most plans are premeditated, right? You've already set up your experience. So in my perspective, just as an outsider, I look at it as like, you're setting up this experience but are you losing something in that pre? Are you closing yourself off from experience something, experiencing something bigger, or something else, or something that's maybe beyond your scope of planning by by doing that, or or by feeling like you have to control some sort of situation or some meeting with somebody, or you know what I mean? That's so we're kind of losing that. Yep. Do you agree with that? What do you think about that? I agree. I agree that we're losing the spontaneity. Um, and that's really what it is, is that people, and even, you know, I, I, when I first moved to LA, I had a moped and it was interesting because I would 
um, the safest way to drive a moped, right, is not to have your phone in front of you. So I would memorize the directions of everywhere I went. Um, and one, I learned my way around LA really quickly. And two, um, I noticed because you're on a moped, so you can kind of see in everyone's cars that everybody was relying on their phone to get everywhere. And their phone was telling them all the same way. Like I would go these back routes cause I would just look at the map and I would figure out how to get there. And I would take these random ways and I would be like on the street by myself when the highway was like fogged up, you know what I mean? And I realized everyone's just doing what their phone is telling them to do, even though there's a perfectly good way to get there without it. It's just nobody's looked at a map in like 15 years that we're not doing it. And and it was like this mass realization I had that, oh my God, all these people, there's thousands of people on the highway right now. And they could all just be on this road that they don't know exists because they haven't looked at a map. And it was like this realization to me very early on in my journey that like I have to stay present. I have to sometimes even make things probably a little more difficult for myself because in the long run, it'll actually be easier because everyone else is so like robotic. And so like, like when you let tech take over, there's a roboticism that happens with people. One of my favorite authors is Isaac Asimov, who invented the word computers and the word robots. And they were things in science fiction just Mm -hmm. 60 years ago. Um, if you want to do yourself a favor, watch him do an interview in the 1990s about actually seeing so many of these things come to life because he was tricked out Mm, (laughs) that, that they were once just like an idea in his head. And he kind of saw where it would take humanity and that we, we would lose a little bit of who we are and, and give it up to these devices or give it up to these cars or whatever we ended up focusing on as our future. And, um, He was totally right. He was even more right than I could ever imagine. You know, when I'm at the park playing with my dogs and there's, I saw these three eight-year-old boys just all sitting next to each other on their phones. So like the whole hour I was out there, I'm like, that's what a play date is? Is three eight-year-old boys just sitting next to each other on separate phones? No one said a word to each other the whole time? Like, what is that? No wonder nobody wants to call, you know, I know people who are very successful at what they do. They're very happy. They're very comfortable. But... They don't like to talk on the phone, so they won't do something like a podcast, like mm-hmm. because they're, it makes them uncomfortable because they haven't had to do it in like six years, you know. <laughs> it's like very, <laughs> it's weird how disconnected we are, and yeah. and it ends up holding us back. Like you want to do a podcast because you can't talk on the phone for more than five minutes. Oh no, that makes me very uncomfortable. I can't talk on the phone. Well, damn. <laughs> okay, I mean, you do you, but like. I can talk to you for 15 minutes. Why can't you hold the phone in front of your face and talk to somebody? Like, I don't know. It's given us these weird, like, social, like, I don't even know. Well, you know, it's, I I know it is. And, and, you know, it's interesting. So I recently uh, had my little 18 year old sister move in, uh, who Reggie, if you're listening, I'm about to air your little laundry out. So you can probably turn, (laughs) turn this off now. Um, but she spends, she spends so much time on social media, Tara, like hours, 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 just, you know, scrolling and clicking and scrolling and clicking. And I'm just like, ah, don't you get tired? Like, do not get tired. But then here's the opposite. It's like, I'm really antisocial. Like, I don't really want to be around people. Has this, like, social mm-hmm. phobia, you know? And, and it's real. Mm-hmm. And I'm my yep. curiosity is, is in... So you're able to fully function in the world of... I'm going to call it make-believe. 
with social yeah. media and you're interacting with people that are liking your pictures and following your mm-hmm. Snapchats and doing all of these things. But when you're out in the world, you feel totally phobic and you don't want to be around people, but you rather be in your room talking to hundreds of people just on this medium. I don't, can you explain that to me? <laughs> and we're both not parents, so let's let's be clear, people listening, like Tara and I, we're not yeah, parents. We're dog parents, but but I think we're in the I age. Think, I think that's what I love about having a dog. Is no, it's you know it. You know, I spend a lot. At, my assistant is a millennial, and she's okay. awesome, but she's twenty one. So I've had a world recently. Um, I'm only thirty, and I I feel like there's definitely a, a generation gap between yeah, myself and sure. people who are like 10 years younger because of this stuff. Um, and so I've just had a little time to observe, but I feel like, and she's actually not on any social media and stuff, but I've talked to her about it a lot. And um, because it does seem like it's one or the other, either they're completely not on anything and they don't care at all. Right. Or that's like their whole entire life. And, um, and it's curated. I think that's the difference is people are very scared to um, present, like after, if you grew up presenting your life in a way that was curated, it would make you scared to go out there and just be yourself, like mm-hmm. any of us. I don't think it's abnormal. I just think that, like, we need to be doing at least equal amounts of both. Like, if you, if I don't get up in the morning and go on a hike, like, I'm not allowed to touch my phone. I'm not allowed to, like, do any work. Like, yeah. I have to go. And go experience real life before I stare at a screen because I write books now and a lot of my job involves staring at a screen. And, uh, and you know, I write my blog and I spend a lot of time answering emails and, and looking at a screen and I need to be able to be outside and looking out and up and around and down. What sort of advice can you give them? And this is for the people that perhaps are wanting to get off the medication but don't even know where to start or what they're doing in their lives that's creating this anxiety? Um, well, I, I give people who are on medication the same advice. I give people who are off it or trying to come off it because my the point of what I write, although I did come off of 14 drugs, and a lot of people who've read my work have decided to come off their medication as a form of therapy. Um, and I... But I also, you know, tell people to start immediately replacing it with a new therapy. And before you come off, to find out what that therapy is. So for anxiety, for instance, I I think meditation is a huge one. It was really without it. I don't know if I would have gotten over my anxieties because it was the first time I realized, like one of the first times I started meditating, I realized that my anxiety was coming from the fact that I couldn't breathe. Mm. I couldn't breathe. Like, I wasn't, like, breathing correctly. Like, my normal, everyday breathing was panicked. And I was like, well, no wonder I have anxiety. Like, my normal breathing is, like, sounds like my heart is racing and um, I can't, I felt like, at least at the time, that I couldn't stop it. But that's just because I never bothered to take the time to focus on it. You know, and I'm a singer. Like, I had focusing on my breath and filling up my diaphragm and focusing on um, my body as like my number one uh, concern for like, you know, 15 years, but I never applied it to my everyday life. Like, it's so crazy that the answers are like right in front of us sometimes, right? For so long. 
I knew how to lay on my back and fill up my diaphragm and meditate and take deep breaths, but I never had done that unless I was about to go on stage or something. So um, once I started doing it as a way to relax and a way to connect with my body and a way to kind of ask and find out what the heck is going on, because we don't just have anxiety. Like, I know it feels like we have it and I know it feels like it's for no reason, but it's chemical and there are many triggers. And we need to really address and find out what those are. And the only way you're going to do that is by giving yourself the time. And the best way to give yourself the time is to bring yourself into a relaxed state, the kind of relaxed state that meditation affords you, Mm -hmm. and to do that every day for at least like five minutes to an hour. Um, And I really think that incorporating, you know, um, like valerian and tinctures and herbs, all of the herbs that I recommend in Cured Vein Nature, Mm -hmm. Um, Valerian's a huge one, though. If you're not getting enough magnesium, they think actually scientists think that magnesium deficiency, which like Americans have more than basically any country in the world, is a huge contributor to anxiety because they've just found in studies that people who are magnesium deficient have a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So I've actually read that they, recently. So it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that they're doing yeah. more research to to associate how we can actually supplement the things that we're lacking in in a healthy, organic, you know, way. Um, you write a lot, you write in, in your book, there's a lot of, of talk about, you know, creating ritual and, uh, you know, loving yourself on a daily basis and, and awesome beauty ritual techniques and different things. So I wanted to ask you about creating a routine how important is it for people to actually do and is it realistic to be able to do a routine to better our health in an, in in a sustainable way yeah i mean i think it's the most important i think without a new routine i don't think i would have gotten better i don't think i would have started a blog i don't think i would have written a book i don't think i would have been able to come off my drugs at all um never mind consistently stay off them for the last 6 years it's definitely been a journey for me and for anybody who who chooses to have a better life. You know, it's, it's not easy, but what makes it easier, and easy, my definition of easy is something we can do. Mm-hmm. So if you can do it, it's easy. So um, I think to make it easier, give yourself a routine just and just like write it down. Another, you know, we can combine two very therapeutic things together, write it in a notebook what you're going to do every day to be better. There's questions and many questions in Cured Brain Nature. I think there's like 10 questions per chapter mm-hmm. um, to think about. But like some of my questions for appreciation, like asking yourself what what your past taught you yesterday, for instance, and how you're going to do better in the future. I mean, even just doing a gratitude every gratitude list every day is a routine that's helped so many people. That's been like a major takeaway from my book. I think, I mean, I get emails every day from people that are like, I just started doing a gratitude list and I can't believe how much it helps. Um, but anything that really propels you and makes you feel better. I mean, going for a run in the morning or, uh, making sure instead of having coffee that you're having, you know, a healing tea before you start your day or before you go to bed. I mean, those things can change your life, but if you never change your routine, you're not going to find them. They're just not going to make their way into your life. Nobody's going to hand you a new routine. You have to do that. 
So I think that's just a big part that people miss. They think someone else is going to take care of it for them or it's going to just miraculously happen. It's like you got to put in a little bit of the effort in the beginning, but then it gets so much easier that it's so worth it, you know, to just figure it out, which can be fun. It doesn't even have to be hard. I think it's really fun when I'm like, okay, something's not working. What do I have to change? Yeah. Yeah. And it takes like 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, you you know what it is. It doesn't take like days. <laughs> exactly. And I think for most... You just need a few minutes. Exactly. I think for most people, it's exactly what you just said. They Most people know what they need to do. And after a while, it just becomes a non-negotiable, right? It just becomes a part of the fabric of your everyday life. And that's how people, yeah. I think, can really begin to see... Uh, to see change. I really love all the questions yeah. in the chapters, uh, you know, where, where you're actually putting us to work and, you know, we're getting asked <laughs> awesome questions. Like one of my favorite, my favorite part of the book is, well, it, it's all of it was my favorite. I'm like, Oh, I really like it. You should see this book. It's, it's got highlighted <laughs> in little notes on the side. Um, Yay. but in the, the, Last part, so part three in the Live Well, there's 10 questions for finding life's answers. And I really just got a kick out of this. I mean, this is the type of work that I do all the time, but I just always love answering them, right? So like one of the questions... Yeah, they're so fun. Yeah. One of the questions is, what am I working toward at this moment? And the second question is, how has finding my personal power benefited others? And I wanted to ask you about, about that and like, Mm-hmm. posing those probing questions to people to really begin to find their sense of power, their sense of purpose. Like how, how much of asking those questions to yourself helped you get to where you are now? Without these questions, man, I don't know who I would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even writing my second book right now, anytime I'm stuck, I just like pose myself a bunch of questions and then I answer them. Because yeah. <laughs> we can do that all day long. And once I realized that, I and mean, that was one of the first realizations I really had. And it's being a student of Tony Robbins and being a student of, of people like Jim Rohn and even like Oprah, people who just ask you difficult questions in yeah. their work all the time. Um and you don't have to answer them. That's why they're, you know, presented as like a little one-off workshop in, in every chapter. But the people who do, I feel like, get the most out of the book because they're just questions you don't really ask yourself otherwise. But they're they're great. And if, I always tell people if you come back to them later, you'll find that your answers are slightly different. And it's always interesting to compare and to, to find, you know, what you're doing now versus what you've been doing before. And I feel like... The questions for me were fun, too, because they kind of wrapped up everything else in the chapter mm-hmm, mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. bringing you back to things like like the questions that you mentioned. Um, one of them talks about, you know, how did I positively affect other people's lives by, you know, the way that I'm living my life, basically. And that's not something I specifically talk about in the book, but by asking the question. <laughs> Um, it brings people into that mindset that it is really important to start, you know, the best way that you can be helped is to help other people. And the best way that you can feel better and feel, you know, worthy and feel um, valued is to go help somebody else because they'll immediately value you and you'll immediately have worth and you'll immediately have self-worth. And a lot of people think, well, isn't it 
you know, isn't it not really altruistic to just go help other people to feel better? No, it's completely altruistic. <laughs> if it gives you a great feeling at the end of the day, you're doing something right. You don't have to feel bad about helping somebody else. So yeah. taking the focus off of yourself every once in a while is not the most horrible thing. I, I tend to do it when I'm in a difficult place because it, it you know, immediately takes your focus off of what you're going through and, and reminds you that there's always, no matter what you've seen, I mean, my life was not easy, quote unquote, by any means, but I mean, I guess by my definition of easy, considering I got through it, it must have been, you know, so mm-hmm. there's people with a lot more difficult situations, um, and the more you work through, the more you'll be able to help them, and it's just such a rewarding thing that I feel like asking ourselves how we can be better every single day is like one of the most important things to do as well. Mm. Yeah, it's so it's so true. So I want to ask you about uh, transformation and in asking you in what part of your life have you chosen to look closer at like for yourself? I mean, and the thing is you you really talk about this at length in the book. You talk about the peaks and the valleys and again, you're so honest and raw about your experiences and your dealing with loss and and overcoming adversity. For for where you stand in your life now, what area in your life do you still find yourself looking closely at? Definitely my health, because um, I just can't ever take it for granted. Like, I'm always trying to be better at, at my health. I never want to, especially what I went through during... Um, the withdrawal part, never mind how unhealthy I was before I came off all my drugs, right. <laughs> which was extremely unhealthy. But then going through withdrawal for like three years and not being able to eat and not being able to get out of bed and not being able to function or take my dog out or do what I really, really in my heart wanted to do and felt like I was meant to do was so difficult. It was like one of probably the most difficult part of it was because you're like, I just, I want, I have so much to give and I can't actually go do it Mm -hmm. um and you start to feel really powerless it's hard not to and I work with people who are fighting health issues every single day and so I get it and I I really do emphasize and sympathize and that's why I tell people I've been there 100 percent and I really feel like you know Cure by Nature gives you the tools to be able to get up in the morning and to be able to do what what you're meant to do because Without it, um, you really don't have anything. You can have family. You can have a bunch of money. You can be a billionaire. But if you're bedridden, what good is it? You know what I mean? You can't enjoy anything. So um, your health is the most important thing. I know it sounds really cliche and something your grandma probably told you when you were like five. But it's like it's the most important thing because you don't have anything else without it. So that's where I still tend to look closely. And I'm always trying to improve. And I'm always trying to talk to people. And connect with people and read and, you know, just inform myself and be knowledgeable. And if I find something really cool and awesome, inform other people so that they don't have to, you know, go through any crap before they can feel better. Mm, that's, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's really important. I don't think it's cliche at all. I think we need to hear it more, especially with, yeah. you know, all the, the things that, yeah, we forget. And, and what we're exposed to on a regular basis, you know, for people that don't focus on maybe eating the healthiest food, we're currently, yeah. we, we're constantly exposed to things that aren't the best for our health. 
right? So, so I think right. we, we can't hear it enough. How do you manage your time between self-care and work? Because I know that you write a lot and now you're saying you're writing a new book, which you're about to tell us about because now you've piqued my interest and I'm like, what? I just read this one. You've got another one. <laughs> I, need, I need to know about this. Give me the inside scoop. But how do you, how do you manage uh, the self-care and work? Um. Yeah, you know, well, the good thing is I've made, like, self-care a huge part of my job, which has been very helpful. Um, But even before it was a huge part of my job, it was a huge priority. So I think setting priorities and realizing that there is, kind of to touch on our last point, that there is no work without my health, right? So, like, I have to put self-care first if I want my job to be taking care of other people. That's just, you know, kind of you know, the Bible put it best is like, you have to, you know, have to love yourself before you can love another person. Well, the largest form of love is self-love. So you have to love yourself before you can love other people. And my self-love comes in the form of self-care and of treating myself well and of eating the right things and of, you know, not doing something if I don't feel well and honoring myself, you know, like so much of my life before was about pleasing other people and about doing what other people wanted me to do, and about bending over backwards, even if I really didn't have the time or the resources or the health or whatever. And now it's like it's just honoring what my body needs and listening to my body. And, um, you know, just doing that alone has been so helpful in being able to do the work necessary to bring that kind of um, motto and influence into other people's lives too where they start caring first and foremost about themselves and then they truly learn how to love others and um it's just kind of they've bled into each other at this point which i love um because i don't ever feel like i have to make excuses for putting myself first which is great that's like my job now yeah (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) that's a great job to have my life's in balance yeah (laughs) perfect thank you for sharing that yeah what area of course what area of your life do you feel the most free um you know honestly I, I hate to say the same thing but it's it's with my health it's the fact that I can get up in the morning and do what I want to do because yeah. for so long I I wasn't able to do that whether it was because I had to go to some job I hated or because I had to go take three trains and two buses for four hours to get to work or because I wasn't feeling well or because I was throwing up or because you know I had to take Rayleigh out and I only had five minutes to get to a job I hated mm-hmm. it was like something was always controlling my life and the fact that I don't have to answer to really anybody other than myself anymore is like pretty freeing. (laughs) It's like one of the best feelings in the world. I'm very passionate about and um, I actually just met with my councilwoman the other day and I'm very like... I've always been passionate about, but I'm definitely, you know, it's a colorful political climate at the moment, but it even makes that a little easier knowing that at least, like, you know, I'm not going to fire myself. Like, no matter what happens, I still get to go to work in the morning because work is in the office next door to my bedroom. So, bye. Yeah. Like, no, that's a, that's a, a great, a great place to be. <laughs> That's a great place. When you have that freedom, it's you know, it's personal freedom. It's like the freedom that you don't really realize is that important until you don't have it or you first get it, you know, for the first time ever. You're like, Oh crap, this is what it's like to like 
really be doing it, you know, to yeah. own your own business and to be making your own thing and to not be relying on other people and to actually be living somewhere that you're proud to live and be doing something you're proud to say you do. Like it's, it's, that's my definition of freedom, honestly, hundred wow. percent. Can you tell us a little bit about the book that you're working on? Yeah, so my second book, I can't reveal the title yet um, because I haven't even turned in the manuscript. But it's, uh, but I, yeah, I'm reading my second book and my third book right now, but my second book mostly. And um, it's very much along the lines of Cured by Nature. It's, you know, um, scientific facts mixed with personal stories, mixed with, um, you know, healthy living advice for anybody who feels overwhelmed, anybody who needs to pick me up, anybody who needs. Um, just a little jolt, you know, to get out of reason to get out of bed in the morning. You want one reason to get out of bed? Pick up this book and my next book because there's just this page after page after page of reasons that, you know, you were put here for a powerful purpose and you need to just find out what that is and get up in the morning every single day and do it. Because um, every one of us is put here for a reason and I want everybody to, to find that and to claim it because once we do, I mean, we'll be looking at a completely different world. Wow. That's uh, you and you're gonna be on the show again to talk to us about that. I hope. Yes, definitely. definitely <laughs> <for> sure. Okay, <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm down to the final question. Um, how do you feel radically loved, and what do you radically love? Oh my God, I love this question. Um, I actually feel the most radically loved like interacting with other being like other human beings and just like getting feedback about how other people have experienced life and experienced the world. Mm. I think I know that's not like a direct form of being loved, I guess, but I just, that's what fills me with love is watching other people experience life and experience themselves. Um, and I love by trying to put things into the world that make other people more likely to love themselves. Mm. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> hope that makes sense. <laughs> number one. <laughs> uh, number two. <laughs> hope that was a good answer to your random question at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no I really love those questions and I think it is really, I want to like ask myself that every single day those are some great questions yeah, you're just, good at this no stop it I'm like just put a little <laughs> post-it somewhere just ask yourself that um okay so for people yeah, no, totally for to. people that want to connect with you and we're gonna have uh links to your website and links to where to buy your book on the show notes so everything will be linked up but is there any place that people can contact you or if they want more information or any social media channels that you do like or enjoy on occasion? Yeah, yeah, because you can say hi on like Instagram or my blog. I am uh, Tara A. Mackey on Instagram and my blog is theorganicedlifeblog.com. There's a contact button over there to connect and you can... Um, you can leave me some love. You can check out some of our articles. I mean, there's so I do like so much now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love connecting with people. A lot of my best friends right now were, you know, strangers a year ago. I can't believe how many people I've met through my work and through the book and through other people's work that I've found 
um, that's in the same vein. So if you want to say hi, I'm really open. <laughs> I'm not snobby at all. I make new <laughs> friends every day. <laughs> so come say hi. I'm very friendly. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Tara, thank yeah. you so, yeah. so much for being on the podcast and for sharing. I still feel like I've got a uh, hundred other questions that I want to ask you about <laughs> this. So um, well, we can connect anytime. Yeah, we're going to have to do a part <laughs> two to this, but I really appreciate you coming on and for all the work that you're doing and all the important content that you're putting out there for us to come and heal ourselves and to just continue to explore our own personal journeys. Thank you so much for doing that. And I hope that we have you on again. Of course. And likewise, girl, I really love what you're doing. I love your podcast. I love your mission. I love your work. And uh, I'm so happy you exist in this world. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. For more information, visit www.radicallylove.com forward slash podcast to read all about today's guests or past guests. You can click on any of the links or for more information, you can always follow me on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or Twitter at Rosie Acosta and let us know what you thought.